Hello my friends, this is Nikki. Today we'll be talking about the Virgin Mary's vow, her betrothal, and her wedding to Joseph. We'll be reading and paraphrasing from Volume 1 of Poem of the Man-God, Maria Valtorta. We begin on page 59. Mary is in the temple. She is 15 years old now. She's lived in the temple since she was three. And the law in Israel states that every woman must marry and bear a son for Israel. So Mary is brought before the high priest and she's going to be told that it is time for her to have a marriage arranged. The high priest says to her, My child, I am aware of your grace and goodness. I know that every day you are growing in grace and knowledge before God and men. I know that the voice of God whispers his sweetest words to your heart. I know that you are the flower of God's temple, and that a third cherub is before the testimony since you were here. And I would like your perfume to continue to rise with the incense every day. But the law says differently. You are no longer a girl, but a woman, and every woman must be a wife in Israel to bear a son to the Lord. You shall follow the commandment of the law. Do not be afraid. Do not blush. I am aware of your royalty. The law that prescribes that each man is to be given a woman of his own stock will protect you. But even if that were not the case, I would do so, so that your magnificent blood might not be corrupted. And then he asks Mary if she knows anyone from the house of David to whom she could become betrothed. And her cousin Zacharias, the priest, says she could not. She has been living in the temple since she was three. And the high priest says then, we shall leave the choice to God. Mary then begins to cry. And Anna, her teacher, is there and she explains, Mary has consecrated herself to the Lord for his glory and for the salvation of Israel. She was but a little child just learning to read and write and she had already made her vow. And the priest says, is that why you are crying then? not because you wish to resist the law? And Mary says, Just for that, nothing else, I shall obey you, priest of God. And the priest says, This confirms what I have always been told of you. How long have you been consecrated to the Lord? Mary says, I have always been, I think. I was not yet in this temple, and I had already given myself to the Lord. I remember that I gave my heart to God although I do not know when it started. Perhaps it was with the first kiss that I was able to give, with the first word that I learned to say, with the first step that I took. Yes, I think I find my first recollection of love with my first steady step. I had put all my heart in God, and with the exception of my father and mother, whom I loved in life and in death, every other worldly thing had disappeared from my heart was a grotto behind my house, and I loved that grotto, because I heard a voice sweeter than the song of the water and the warbling of the birds say to me, Come, my beloved. I loved those herbs covered with tinkling and sparkling diamond drops, because I could see in them the sign of the Lord, and I used to say to myself, O soul of mine, see how great your God is. And the voice seemed to be saying to me, Yes, just to me. Come, specious olive. Come, sweet apple. Come, my dove. Sweet is the love of a father. Sweet the love of a mother. 
sweet their voices calling me, but this, this one, oh, in the earthly paradise, I think that she who became guilty heard it thus, here Mary's referring to Eve, and I do not understand how she could prefer a hiss to this voice of love, how she could desire any other knowledge that was not God, Mary's referring to Eve listening to Satan. With my heart full of celestial honey, I then said, Here I am, I am coming, I am yours. No one will have my body but you, my Lord, neither will my soul have any other love. And while saying so, it seemed to me that I was saying over again things already said, and that I was fulfilling a rite already fulfilled, and the chosen spouse was not a stranger to me, because I already knew his ardor, and my sight had been formed at his light and my capacity for loving had been fulfilled in his embrace. When? I do not know. Beyond life, I would say, because I feel I always had him, and that he always had me, and that I exist because he wanted me for the joy of his spirit and mine. Now I obey you, O priest, but please tell me how I am to behave. I have neither father nor mother. Please be my guide." And the priest answers, a very obedient Mary, one of her greatest virtues. And he says to her, God will give you your husband, and he will be a holy man, because you have entrusted yourself to God, and you will tell your husband your vow. Will he agree? she asks. I hope so. Pray, my child, that he may understand your heart. Go now. May God always accompany you. So here we can see how Mary, although she gave her vow to God to remain chaste and virginal, is obedient, is always obedient, and obeys the priest in the rite of betrothal and marriage. And yet she always stays true to her commitment to God and has faith and hope that when she tells her spouse-to-be that she is committed to God, that he will understand her. So now we're going to talk about how Joseph comes to be chosen as her husband. Joseph is standing in the temple amongst a number of men. He's 30 years old, and there are men from the ages of about 20 to 50, and they're all talking, and Zacharias is also there. And these are the men who've been chosen as possible husbands for Mary. And what they've done is they've each brought a, a branch of of a flowering tree or a, a plant and they've put it in a bundle before the, the the veil in the temple and in this way the priests have decided they would let God choose who would be Mary's husband and they're all talking excitedly because one bare branch one branch from an almond tree blossomed bloomed bore flowers at the time of year when no branches should be flowering. And they come out and they ask each man to take his branch. And Joseph comes forward and he picks up the almond branch. This happens to be a branch from an almond tree that he cut from the yard of Mary. And he brought it to see if he would be chosen as her husband. And he's quite surprised because Joseph is actually a Nazarite which means that he himself has consecrated himself to the Lord and has remained chaste and virginal and never expected to be married. But uh, when the call came, he also obeyed 
and he came to see uh, if he would be the chosen one, and he is. He is speaking, and he says, Men of the race of David, gathered here at my request, please listen. The Lord has spoken, glory be to him. From his glory a ray has descended, and like the sun in springtime, it has given life to a dry branch which has blossomed miraculously, whereas no other branch on earth is in bloom today the last day of the Feast of Dedication, and the snow that fell on the mountains in Judah has not yet melted, and everything is white between Zion and Bethany. God has spoken and has made himself the father and the guardian of the Virgin of David, who has him alone as her protection. A holy girl, the glory of the temple, she deserved the word of God to learn the name of a husband agreeable to the Eternal One. And he must be very just to be chosen by the Lord as the protector of the Virgin so dear to him. For this reason our sorrow in losing her is alleviated, and all worries about her destiny as a wife cease. And to the man appointed by God we entrust with full confidence the Virgin blessed by God and by ourselves. The name of the husband is Joseph of Jacob of Bethlehem, of the tribe of David a carpenter in Nazareth in Galilee. The high priest gives Joseph his branch in bloom. He lays his hand on his shoulder and says to him, The spouse the Lord has presented you with is not rich, as you know, but all virtues are in her. Be more and more worthy of her. There is no flower in Israel as beautiful and pure as she is. Please, all go out now. You, Joseph, stay here. And you, Zacharias, since you are her relative, please bring in the bride. And the high priest says to Joseph, Mary wishes to inform you of a vow she made. Please help her shyness. Be good to her who is so good. And Joseph says, I will put my strength and my manly authority at her service, and no sacrifice on her behalf will be heavy for me. Be sure of that. And then Mary enters with Zacharias and Anna of Phanuel. Joseph tells Mary that he knew her when she was a baby, that he had built his, her little cradle for her, and that he knew her mother and her father. He said, I buried your father mourning over his death with a sincere heart because he was a good teacher to me. Joseph tells her that he had brought a branch from the almond tree near her home. He says, I wanted to pick it because I thought that if I should be the chosen one, you would have been pleased to have a flower from your garden. But I was not expecting to be the chosen one, as I am a Nazarite, which is a Hebrew who had taken special vows of abstinence. Joseph says, I have obeyed because it is an order of the priest, not because I wish to get married. Here is the branch, Mary. With it I offer you my heart. That, like it, has bloomed up till now, only for the Lord, and is now blooming for you, my spouse. Mary takes the branch. She is moved and looks at Joseph with a face that has become more and more confident and bright. She feels certain of him. When he says to her, I am a Nazarite, her face becomes bright and she takes courage. She says, Also I am all of the Lord, Joseph. I do not know whether the high priest told you. He told me only that you are good and pure, and that you wish to inform me of a vow, and that I must be good to you. Speak, Mary, your Joseph wants you to be happy in all your desires. 
I do not love you with my body. I love you with my soul, holy girl, given to me by God. Please see in me a father and a brother, in addition to a husband, and open your heart to me as to a father, and rely on me as on a brother. And then Mary says, Since my childhood I have consecrated myself to the Lord. I know this is not the custom in Israel, but I heard a voice requesting my virginity as a sacrifice of love for the coming of the Messiah. Israel has been waiting for him for such a long time. It is not too much to forego the joy of being a mother for that. Joseph gazes at her as if he wanted to read her heart, and then he takes her little hands, and he says, I will join my sacrifice to yours, and we shall love the Eternal Father so much with our chastity that he will send his Savior to the world earlier and will allow us to see his light shining in the world. Come, Mary, let us go before his house and take an oath that we shall love each other as the angels do. Then I will go to Nazareth to prepare everything for you in your house if you wish to go there. And Mary says, in my house? And he says, yes, if you wish to live in your house, we will live there. And Mary's very happy. That's where she wants to live. On Mary and Joseph's wedding day, Mary is wearing the clothes that her mother prepared for her. From the time that she was a little baby, her mother prepared her wedding dress and gave her her own veil to wear. And she has jewelry around her neck and around her wrists and a belt around her waist. And Joseph is dressed splendidly in his best clothes and is wearing a turban. And um, it has a, a little um, belt that supports his bag and his dagger. And he approaches Mary and he takes her to the temple for their wedding. And he says to her, I have pondered a lot on your vow these last days. I told you that I will share it with you. But the more I think of it, the more I realize that a temporary Nazaretism is not sufficient, even if renewed several times. I have understood you, Mary. I do not yet deserve the word of light, but a murmur of it comes to me, and it causes me to read your secret, at least in its main lines. I am a poor ignorant man, Mary, a poor workman. I know nothing of letters, and I have no treasures but I place at your feet my treasure, my absolute chastity forever to be worthy of being beside you, Virgin of God, my sister's spouse, enclosed garden, sealed fountain, as our ancestor says, who perhaps wrote the song of songs seeing you. I shall be the guardian of this garden. Your kindness, O spouse, has conquered my soul with your innocence, O most beautiful one. You are more beautiful than dawn. You are a sun that shines because your heart shines. You are full of love for your God and for the world, to which you wish to give a Savior with your sacrifice of a woman. Come, my beloved spouse. And he takes her gently by the hand and leads her towards the door, as they're heading to the temple for their wedding ceremony. Jesus says, What does the Book of Wisdom say, singing Mary's praises? Within wisdom is a spirit intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle. And it goes on listing her endowments, ending the period with the words, Almighty, all-surveying, penetrating all intelligent, pure and most subtle spirits. 
She is so pure she pervades and permeates all things. She is a breath of the power of God, hence nothing impure can find a way into her image of his goodness. Although alone, she can do all, herself unchanging. She makes all things new. She passes into holy souls. She makes them friends of God and prophets. You have seen how Joseph, not by human culture, but by supernatural education, can read in the sealed book of the Immaculate Virgin, and how he borders upon prophetic truths by seeing a superhuman mystery where others could only see a great virtue. Since he is imbued with this wisdom, which is a breath of the power of God and a definite emanation of the Almighty, he sails with a secure spirit the sea of this mystery of grace, which is Mary. He penetrates with her spiritual contacts, in which the two spirits speak to each other in the sacred silence of their souls, where God only can hear voices, and those who are well liked by God, because they are his faithful servants and are full of him. The wisdom of the just man, which increases by his union and closeness to Mary, full of grace, prepares him to penetrate the deepest secrets of God, and enables him to protect and defend them from the snares of man and demon. And in the meantime, it invigorates him. It makes the just man a saint, and the saint the guardian of the spouse and of the Son of God. Without removing the seal of God, he, a chaste man, now elevating his chastity to angelical heroism, can read the word of fire written by God on the virginal diamond, and he reads what his wisdom does not repeat, but is greater than what Moses read on the stone tablets. And to prevent profane eyes from prying into the mystery, he places himself, seal upon the seal, as an archangel of fire on the threshold of paradise. The new Eve is there, in front of him, not bone from his bones, nor flesh from his flesh, but companion of his life, living ark of God, whom he receives in guardianship and whom he must return to God as pure as he received her. Spouse to God was written on the immaculate pages of that mystical book. And when in the hour of trial suspicion hissed its torture, he suffered as a man and as a servant of God as no man suffered because of the suspected sacrilege what Jesus is referring to here is when Joseph discovers that Mary is with child, he suffers greatly, wondering how she could betray him and her vow to God, because he knows that she's pure, but he cannot understand what is happening. And God allowed Joseph to suffer for three days before he was told what the truth was about Mary's condition, that she was bearing the Savior, the Son of God. Jesus continues and says, This was to be the future trial. Now, in this time of grace, Joseph sees, and he puts himself at the most true service of God. Then the storm of the trial will come, as for all saints, to be tested and made co-adjutors of God. What do you read in Leviticus? Tell Aaron your brother that he must not enter the sanctuary beyond the veil in front of the throne of mercy, that is over the ark whenever he chooses. He may die, 
for I appear in a cloud on the throne of mercy, unless he has done these things first. He will offer a young bull for a sacrifice, for sin, and a ram for holocaust. And Joseph really enters the sanctuary of God, when and as far as God wants, beyond the veil that conceals the ark on which the Spirit of God hovers, and Joseph offers himself and will offer the Lamb, the Lamb being Jesus Christ, a holocaust for the sin of the world and an expiation of such sin. Joseph does that with his perpetual chastity. Was Joseph not on Golgotha? Do you think he is not amongst the co-redeemers? I tell you solemnly that he was the first and therefore he is great in the eyes of God, great for his sacrifice, his patience, his perseverance, his faith. Which faith is greater than this one that believed without seeing the miracles of the Messiah? Don't forget that Joseph died before Jesus began his public life. So he he raised Jesus, he loved him, he protected him, he believed in him, he was devoted to him, but he never saw him living his public life, his teachings, his miracles, his sacrifice. But Je Jesus says he was there with him nonetheless while Jesus was on Golgotha. Jesus continues and says, Praise be to my putative father, an example to you of what you lack, most, purity, faithfulness, and perfect love. Praise be to the magnificent reader of the sealed book, imbued with wisdom, to be able to understand the mysteries of grace, and chosen to protect the salvation of the world from the snares of all enemies.' 